I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You saw Gurit, Reichardt, Van Basten. Then I said to my friends when I was in the academy, one day I will play for AC Milan. Then they was like, ah, come on, you're joking. It was funny, but after I have met a Galliani, for me, that thing's come back to my head. And then from there, I said to myself, and I said to my friend, I will play for that team. Welcome to the Coffee and Football Podcast. I'm Sebastian Alvarado, and I'm the host of this show where I sit down for a long-form interview with some of the most interesting and influential profiles in the game. Today's guest is Ibrahim Ba. He's a former professional player with a career spanning over 17 years with clubs such as Le Havre, Bordeaux, AC Milan, Olympic Marseille, and Bolton, to name a few. He has eight caps and two goals with the French national team. This is an incredible conversation where we discuss the ups and downs of his career from the early days in the French League to signing for the legendary AC Milan team to playing for the French national team with players such as Zidane, Desailly, Deschamps, Dugarry and many more. To being cut from that same team just a few weeks before the World Cup that France ended up winning. All that and much more in this amazing episode. So without further ado, let's dive straight into it. Ibu, it's a great pleasure to have you here and welcome to the Coffee and Football podcast. Thank you very much. I must say that I'm really honored to be here today and uh, let's have fun. Absolutely. I'm sure we will. And uh, typically my first question, because I call it Coffee and Football, how do you like your coffee? Mm, usually I go for a latte. I like it a mix, you know, a little bit of black and, you know, milk. How are you doing today? You're uh, you're here vi- visiting New York for a few days? Yes, I'm here uh, to visit New York because, first of all, I had a surprise uh, a birthday party. A friend had a uh, birthday, so we decided to come here and then to make him a surprise. Uh, so, happy birthday to Sheva. Yes, a big happy birthday. He actually turned 40. Yes, so that's the reason why we came. But uh, we had a, a fun period and a fun days with him obviously you know 40 it's something new and then you when you get 40 so you know that the life is in front of you so that was also one of the reason the main reason we came 
I'm sure he, he appreciated that. Yeah, we did have fun, yeah. Did you go to some good spots here in New York? Well, I mean... Um, Do you know the city well, by the way? Kind of. I came sometimes in New York, but uh, for his birthday, we went to different places. The, the dinner went to, uh, we went to a catch in oh, really? packing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, very cool. What are, you, uh, what are you working on these days? So what, what do you keep yourself busy with? Uh, I'm a little bit busy traveling and doing some different stage on different clubs, obviously because I'm working on my um, license to become a, a coach, which is like I already have one, so I have to work on the differences. So as uh, soon as later, yeah, hopefully get a team. Which license do you have now so far? Right now I have the B, so uh, soon, which is like the next few months, I should be doing the A. So, you know, it's a step by step. And uh, are you doing this all in Milan? In Italy, because um, I think, you know, the Italian football, the federation, and obviously the background from the Italy is a lot of things that we could learn, and I decided to do it in Italy. I couldn't do it in different places, in France or in England, whatever it is. But I decided because I believe, uh, you know, the tactical part and everything come to Italy, and then I think it is really interesting and as a coach, if you have a possibility to do it in Italy, I think it's very good. You mentioned here earlier when, when we were talking that you travel around a bit and visiting different clubs. Can you take me through that and what's typically like your process and your goals? Well, you know, uh, every place and every country have something different. But uh, today, you know, the football is changing a lot. So uh, if you go and check what's going on on different culture and different countries so you will see a lot of differences you know we talk a lot about the italian style which is like a tactical part we go to spain then we know you know you have to be technically very good and then you go to england then they will say to you you have to be strong physically because it's you know it's a 90 minutes up and down so uh, all those countries have something different and um as a coach, it is very important to understand these games and to understand those work. And it, um, for me, it is very interesting because going and see how they develop, how they work on different bases of the day. So it is something for me uh, really interesting. What are some of the interesting clubs that you've been visiting and what are some things that stand out to you in terms of how they work? Basically, you know what's happening. Most of the clubs have the same workout typically, but what changes will be the difference? The difference will be, let's say, it come from the player, and um, that make the differences. And uh, you know, I've been to Chelsea. If you go to Chelsea, you don't think it's an English style football they're having because a lot of players and a lot of young kids technically are very, very good. And uh, it is something very interesting because normally everybody knows that in England it is like, uh, you know, running like hell. But uh, today, the way they're playing, the way they're training, it is something unbelievable. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And uh, obviously, I will do different stage and see different other clubs to compare all of this and I'm really excited. Are you involved currently in, you live in Milan, are you currently involved with any teams around there? Yeah, uh, I've been doing uh, as an assistant coach uh, because I have to do it for me, obviously, to, to learn the game and, and to, you know, to be able to practice every day. Beside that, you know, it is also interesting for me to see the international ways, what's going on and uh, it's a mix of it and uh, I like it. 
Take me through a typical day in your life today. What time do you get up? What kinds of routines do you have? And uh, then from there on. Well, usually uh, my wake up call, they say it will be 7.45. From there, you know, the coffee. Then you get out. I go to the gym. I do meeting. Uh, with friends or for work because you know in the football industry you have a lot of people that you want to meet or they want to meet you because you you want to talk about the, the game you want to talk about players and all those stuff like that so i do that uh, often and to not say it every day then uh, lunch typically with my friend afternoon training session and uh, evening obviously if it's gaming the tv you watch it otherwise you still have a dinner with your friends and yeah that is the way I live with. I understand that it's important for you to, to stay in shape, obviously, even for the past couple of days that we've been talking, you've been going to the gym every morning. What kinds of uh, workouts do you typically do? Well, I try to mix everything. Usually when you go to the gym, everybody is expecting to do body weight because this is the main thing today. But uh, I like to do a mix of everything. So uh, from Pilates to yoga or mixing with, uh, you know, uh, cycling and all the stuff like that so i like that uh, and uh it's happened also i do play tennis also and uh yeah like i said i mix it i mix it so i like it do you play any uh, football yes i do play football once not two times a week usually which is like on sunday uh, i'm sorry on monday and uh on saturday with my ex-teammate when i'm in milan is it the older boys of ac milan or yeah we have uh, these common things that we do every every Monday. We we play each other. Uh, we have like six, seven, eight against eight, and uh, we do that on like I said on Monday and on Saturday. So basically, the guys who comes in, if Vierizini come, Maldini, uh, Ambrosini, Costa Corta. I mean, this is our uh, basic. And then from there, yeah, we challenge other guys who like to play against us. So that's cool. And it looks like you all you all stay in pretty good shape still. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> does it get does it get competitive? It is because you know then you you always want to win. So uh, the fun thing is like the team will lose will pay the, the the pitch. Obviously, you want to win, so that's a good thing. I'd like to ask you a little bit about your upbringing and start. So if you can take me through first, uh, where were you born and then where did you grow up? I was born in Senegal in 1973, 12th January. I've been growing up in Senegal, Dakar, uh, until the age of 12. From there, I came to France with my parents. Then uh, Paris till 18, 17, 18 I uh, went to Le Havre, where I started my career in the academy. From there, football professional, uh, I started my career in Le Havre. From Le Havre, I went to Bordeaux. Bordeaux, Bordeaux, Milan, Milan, Perugia, Perugia, Marseille. Then come back to Milan, went to Bolton, then went to Sweden, Jugel. No, before, uh, sorry, before um, Sweden, I went to Turkey. And then from the Turkey, I went to Sweden and then come back to, uh, to Milan. Uh, where in Paris did you grow up? 18, 18, Barbès, Pigalle. This is the area. In order to get to know you just a little more personally, what can you tell me about the place where you were growing up? Well, I won't say that uh, I was living in the, in the villa with the pool. and I grew up, you know, uh, an area in Paris, which is like, uh, you know, it's a mix of everything. 
immigrate and uh, I've learned a lot from there. Uh, obviously, you know, spending a lot of time in the street, but thank God things was good and uh, I made it and yeah, I'm happy with that. Can you tell me a little bit about that culture in, in Paris and in growing up with kind of the duality of having the Senegalese background and now living in, in France? When I was born at the age of two, my parents lived and went to, to Europe and I had to stay with my grandma which is like, she's the one who educated me. Obviously, you know, in Africa, in Senegal, that was something totally different from what I have discovered later when I come to, to Europe. Because, you know, you, you couldn't be in the street every day uh, without no matters, no problems, because there was, was no danger on that. And then um, you came to, to France, which is a different culture, different people you you don't know nobody so you have to to learn and you don't speak proper french so you have to learn to speak french you have to go to school which is like a different school different mentality different timing that was really something uh, strange for me but uh, my parents did it because they want me to have a, a better life and obviously you know it's a normal school that wasn't private school so at the end you know uh, you meet guys which is like uh, different cultures different uh, countries and uh, you, you spend time with them some guys are good some other guys wasn't good but uh, at the end that, that, that make you you know learning and, uh, and getting stronger understanding uh, the different culture the different people and at the end I have learned a lot with that obviously everything wasn't perfect because I did bad things I did I think good things but less good than you know bad so when when you say bad things what kind of things would that be you know I had I had to be away from the area where I grew up in Paris for a certain period because it wasn't really good things I did so uh, from there I have, I have learned so obviously things have changed and then you learn of course uh, I made it because at the end I had the possibility to meet new people and it was something uh, really interesting for me because it made me become uh, what I am today I mean uh, being a, a football player what was your first involvement with football in a more organized fashion or with a team when, when you were a young guy in Paris? Different places. Uh, I get fired from uh, PSG when I was a kid because I had to mix it with the school and going to the training and to play it. But it was too far. And then it was for me difficult to be able to go to the school. And then after that, take the train and going to the training ground, which is like was really far. And uh, one day, my parents get a letter from the club saying that because of the missing of different training, they won't take me. So, yeah. Then from there, I did a different clubs in Le Banlieue, like they said in, in France, so uh, Paris FC. Then I had this period from, you know, the age of 15, bad period, fighting and, you know, the, like I was saying, you know, bad things. So I have to move outside of Paris because it was no option that I couldn't stay in Paris. And uh, I did it and... Um, from where I was, you know, I started step by step and uh, I was working. To be honest, I get fired from the school. So I had to start to do something. I start to work and uh, working and playing a lower level in football. What were you working with? I was working in the store, which is like uh, without no graduation, no nothing. I have to work because my dad told me 
if you can't go to school, you have to do something. So I had to start to work and uh, at the age of 16. So that's what I did. Being outside of Paris, I had uh, this connection with some friends. They was playing. So I went to this club and uh, I started to play there. And uh, yeah. What was the most important advice that your dad gave you? Take care of your family. When you come from Africa, from South America, you know, what makes us strong is our family. You know, being immigrant, that's the things will make you, you know, strong. It's your family. So you can do a lot of things, but at the end, it's only one thing that you have is your family. What was the moment when you realized that you had a big talent for football and you had an opportunity to go on and take next steps within it? When Love took me, because before that I've been on different clubs, but uh, none of them took me. And uh, Love decided to take me and uh, the chairman at the time, because one thing I have to tell you also, my dad used to be a player. So he was a professional too. So he had played in that club. And I guess that's the reason why the chairman took me at the beginning. I think he was more a favor than any other things. But being there, at the beginning it was something, you know, it was, let's say, you know, I don't know if I, if, if I was there because of my quality or because of my dad. But uh, I was there and uh, I started with the academy. I was 17. I wasn't playing so much, to be honest. I had also not a good relationship with the, the coach of the academy. And uh, one day, it was a game between the first team and the academy team. And uh, the coach sent it to me to play with, with the other guys who wasn't playing uh, against the first team. I went, I played. Then the following day, I get a message from uh, the coach of the first team telling me to come back again to train with them. I went. Then for a week, I did it. Then... He asked me again for a week. After that, after two weeks, training with the first team, he said to me, listen, from now on, you will come and train with us. Just like that, he happened like that. And I was training with the first team, and uh, at the end, I was going and play with um, the academy. So the coach from the second team, which is like the academy, had to let me play because if I was training with the first team, so it was no way that, you know, I could not, uh, even though at the beginning, he was trying to make it difficult for me, but at the end he happened and just like that. So, uh, yeah, my career started career like that. How did you keep up with the level? Did you adapt easily to the first team level? Yeah. I mean, like, I think physically everything was fine. So he was on problems about, uh, not to be, uh, you know, strong or whatever, because, um, if he asked me for two weeks, he saw me train with the, the guys and the, those guys was like much, much older than me with experiences. I was like 17. He, he liked it the, the way that I was in the, on the training on the field. And he, he saw maybe something on me and then he wanted to, you know, to see uh, how far he couldn't go with me. And he was really, you know, he was the type of guy with, for me, was like a dad. At the end, he was my coach, but he was always behind my back. You know, looking at me and then even though if, when I was doing something good, he was coming to me and telling me, no, you know what? I didn't like it. I was like, seriously? What is he saying? So I have to make it, you know, much, much better. And uh, yeah, that was uh, something uh, really, really like uh, crazy. But uh, thanks to him, thanks to Pierre Mankowski, 
yeah, I became a professional because he made me do my first game with the first team at the age of 18. Then uh, at the end of the season, I signed my contract as a professional. Take me through that. How did that happen when you're about to sign your first contract and sort of the process that happened and the, and the feelings that, that were going through you? And I'm sure your, your dad was probably proud at that moment. Yeah, I mean, yes. But, you know, uh, before that, it was a lot of compar- yeah, comparison, you know, be- between me and my dad, because obviously my dad was a football player. He had played there. Well, no, strong character friends of my dad or people were always starting to say oh you know what your dad used to do that he was this and that and that so uh, it is something that you have to take you know but the, the most thing was like my mom at the end you know to get back a little bit on the story when I started to get in trouble in France in Paris once someone said to my parents to not the job part is your you know your family and your other kids it would be better that you send back your your son talking about me back to senegal because the way he is and what i see is he will be more getting in trouble than any other things and uh, yeah my dad thought about it but my mom did not want so yeah i guess um If my mom had said yes, so probably I would be back in Senegal. So if everything happened for some reason, yeah, my mom. When was the moment when you actually started playing on a regular basis and there weren't any more comparisons to your dad and they were seeing you for who you actually are? Well, you know, uh, my first game, to be honest, wasn't good. because uh, against, against who did you play? Sochaux was in December, no, in January, January 92. We, it was a away game, I remember. I had uh, Pubalji. I don't know if you understand what is it. Uh, oh, I yes. Like, you know, the grind problems yeah. of Pubalji. So uh, I wasn't really good. So after that game, I, ne- I did not play for a while. And uh, at the end of the season, coach thought that it was good for me to be sent alone. So, so I couldn't, you know, improve and play more games. But we had uh, a cup game, and then he made me play those games. And I did very well. So he changed his mind, and I stay in Le Havre. And from that moment, I've been playing for the whole season. And then in 1996, I believe it was, you went to Bordeaux. How did that happen? And, and Bordeaux, I believe they had just been a European Cup finalist the year before and, and was one of the very prominent teams. I believe they had sold uh, Zinedine Zidane to, to Juventus right before you got there. Yeah, not only him. Vicente uh, Luzarazzi went to Spain, Atletico Bilbao. Christophe Dugari went to Milan. Before to, to go to Bordeaux, I wasn't supposed to go to Bordeaux. I was supposed to go to Nantes was the team who won the, the league at that period. And um, my dad and my agent, I've spoke to different clubs and I made it to play for Nantes because I had friends over there with Claude Makelele and Christian Caramba. So I thought that, you know, it was cool to go in and play with them. But at the end, from Le Havre to Paris is two hours. So I was in the car and I was going back to Le Havre and I get the phone call. And that was a funny thing because that was the first time, you know, that we used to have the cell phone. 97, you know, 96, 97. So I get the, that, that was, you know, the young guy with my phone and everything. So I get the phone call and someone was telling me, um, hello. I'm like, hello. He's saying to me, you know, I'm uh, Roland Corbis. I'm like, okay. Then he said, 
seriously, you wanted, I heard that you want to go to Nantes. I'm like, yeah. He said, I think you should come to Bordeaux because I'm going to be the coach over there. Of course, a lot of guys are leaving. Zidane went to Juventus. Durgari went to Milan. Lizarazu, Vishka, all of those guys are going to leave. So I have to build the team. And building this team, I want you to be a part of this team. And because I want you to be, for us, someone really important. So I'm like, oh, okay. I think this guy is crazy, but whatever it is. I'm like, okay, I will think about it. And so, you know, I end up, we end up the phone. And so I go. We was driving. And 20 minutes after, I get another phone call. I said, yeah. It was like, okay, it's me again. I, I said, yeah. He said to me, have you think about it? I said, but we talked about it like 20 minutes ago. He said, so? You have to make a decision because the thing is like, what do you think is going to be? Is it going to be like maybe a month to think about it? You don't have that time because it's going to be the same thing if you're going to play football tomorrow on the pitch. If you get the ball, it will take you like, what, 20 minutes to think about it? How many seconds? So that was a funny thing, but I like it. I like it from that moment. So I said, listen, you know what? I'm going to Bordeaux. And yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> that was crazy. How is your, um, obviously Bordeaux and traditionally and especially around that time brought up all these amazing players. What is it that makes them special in the way they bring up that level of players? You know, after you spend five years, because I spent five years in love and be able to play every year without no injury, uh, it was something amazing. And uh, then you get this opportunity because Let's say Loire, which is like a team that one of the oldest, to not say the oldest team in, in France, in Europe. You decide to go another step and everyone knows Bordeaux have a history. In France, everybody remember two clubs fighting to win the, the league. It was Marseille and Bordeaux. So being able to go and play for such big team, it was something amazing from where I come from. I wasn't expecting because, uh, to be honest, you know, Bordeaux, when you saw the final, UEFA final, Bordeaux losing against the German team, Bayern Munich, I wasn't thinking like I couldn't go to Bordeaux. And then especially, like you said, you know, guys was like Zidane and others, Tigana, so many guys that play for Bordeaux. I wasn't thinking like that. But uh, getting that opportunity for me was like something amazing. But then I signed for five years. Being there, five years contract, a new team, a new life, big city from where I came from, 13 new players and that year comes in. So it was something to rebuild because a lot of players went away, you know, after the final, after that final loss. So uh, it was something exciting, but also, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, that was really a great moment. How would you describe the French league during that period in terms of those years were a lot what's kind of set the foundation and put France back on the world stage, both in terms of players and later on as a national team? You know, France, everybody knows France about the football because so many great talented players have been there. We talk about 82, 86. We talk about Platini, Tegana, Gires. Then after that period, we had the bad period. France don't go to the World Cup in 1994. So things have to change. You don't see no more about Cantona, Ginola. And then new generation comes in. Zidane, Dugari, Lizarazu, Turam, and others. And um, I was younger than them. But uh, I had the chance to play with them with the under-21. So, you know, I mean, 
it was something you know step by step you know that you see the generation but none none of none of them no nobody we are the quality but nobody couldn't think that with these guys one day they're going to win the, the world cup so friends at that period we talk about between 96 97 98 so many players was playing not only in france but outside because if we go and check and look what's happened in 98 i believe like 23 players who did the world cup maybe three guys been playing in france the rest was playing outside of france uh deschamps was playing for uh, juventus zidane juventus Dugarry was playing for uh, Milan first, then he went to Barcelona. Caramba was playing in Real Madrid. So, you know, he was so many, many guys. Le, Frank Leboeuf was playing for Chelsea. I mean, I believe his Barthez was playing only in, in Monaco, I Monaco, think. Yeah. But the rest of the guys from Petit was playing in Arsenal. Vieira was playing in Arsenal. Jerkev was playing in Inter. So, I mean... Everyone, everyone also had bring something because on different clubs and also on different leagues, you have learned a lot. Nobody thought that France could win. Of course, you know that France have a lot of potentiality with a lot of good players, but nobody could expect it because before the World Cup and all the games that we had, okay, we're playing, we've been winning, but it was not like something like you said, oh, these guys, they're going to match up, the, the, they're going to kill the, the, the World Cup. Everybody expecting to see more like Italy or everybody was expecting to see um, Brazil, Argentina. But we had the chance also because we was playing at home. And I think, you know, at the end we had luck and also, you know, having a, a team with these great players. Yeah, France win the, the, the World Cup. It's finished. France is champion du monde. You believe that the équipe de France is champion du monde in battant the Brazil. 3-0, two buts de Zidane, un but de Petit. When was it that you first got into the youth national teams? After I came to play for uh, Le Havre, then I started to, to go with the national team under 18. I was young, you know, 17, so Zidane, others was already there. I was younger than them, so but I had the chance already to be part of the team. And after came another generation where we was like Vieira, Makelele and uh, others, you know, When I went to the to the national team on the youth, under 18 to under 21, so, you know, uh, like I said, Turam and others, all of those guys was like uh, older than me, like maybe like one year to two years, you know, depending on the period they was born. So uh, it was something cool because, you know, you, you, you look at yourself, you say, come on, I'm the youngest on this team. So, but uh, it was it was really nice because... You start to know those guys and everything, and uh, and also at the period with the, the you know the service the military. So we, in France at the time, you have to do it. So we had this a section, a sports section, which is like even though if you do the if you have to be in the uniform and uh, you have to do it. So uh, it was cool because we spent a lot of time also together. In terms of your identity and being from Senegal, was it an obvious choice to go with the French team? Or was there ever a thought of, maybe I should look at Senegal? I did it once before I take the decision to go with the under-18. The first time I get the call to go for the for French under-18 national team, I said to my dad, listen, I get these things, but I'm not sure if I wanted to go because I was thinking about Senegal. 
me and my dad have a talk. So he told me, listen, it is your decision. It is not mine. You have to feel it or not. Then I went to spoke to my the chairman of the club, which is someone who, who took me in the club, you know, and the coach, obviously, because he made me become what I am today. So because of him, obviously, it was also something that I have to talk to him. At the end, I made my decision because what happened before I came to play for uh, Loire and the background, the story and everything. Yeah, uh, I decided I was going to play for uh, France. The 96-97 season in Bordeaux, you had a phenomenal year. How would you describe that? Because that was really when we started taking very big steps and started to get other teams from around the world watching you. One year before, with Le Havre, I had the possibility to go from Le Havre to different clubs. Torino wanted me. Monaco, Ajax. I never thought about them because uh, I was 20, 21. So I wasn't thinking to from the Havre and uh, I was I was okay with that, you know, for me, you know, things was great and I had the one year left contract and uh, everybody started to talk to the club and I knew that uh, the club was starting to talk with different clubs uh, about me, you know, about uh, a transfer and everything. That's the reason why I take the decision to move, but beside that if they if they was saying to anybody no, I don't think I would move from Le Havre, you know, at that period. Like I told you earlier about the story with Le Bordeaux, I was already playing. I did great that year. So obviously going to Bordeaux with that year they had, everybody's expecting, everybody's looking to see how I'm going to perform or not, you know, on the big step. Because it was a new challenge, not only for me, also for Bordeaux, because, you know, you have like 13 new players, a new coach. Everybody's looking to see what Bordeaux is going to do. The coach, like I told you, you know, Roland Courbis knew me. He said to me, you're going to play and I'm going to make you play the way that I think you have to play, which is like, you're going to play up front. Someone will be behind you. It's up to you now to do it or not. So it just happened. And I do remember the first game, the funny thing, so the first game on that year, the league was uh, love against Bordeaux. <laughs> so, yeah. It just happened like that. I, uh, like I told you, you know, I signed for five years in Bordeaux. Every game, I take it step by step. Things goes well, you know. Assist, scoring, great feeling with my teammate. Everything was great. I mean, it's something that you think like, wow, what's going on here? I'm flying, you know. Nothing could stop you, you know. Everything was like going on the floor, you know. From there, winter break, a friend of mine, my teammate, Jean-Pierre Papin, Come and say to me, you know what? I spoke to someone. He want to talk to you to see if you wanted to go over there. I'm like, where and who? He said to me, Fabio Capello. I'm saying, what? He said, yeah. He want you to. He want to take you to Real Madrid. I'm like, no, I can't go. I just arrived here. It's a six months. I'm in Bordeaux. What I'm going to do in Real Madrid? He said, well, I'm just saying to you because I spoke to him and he tell me he want to take you to Real Madrid. He said, but I signed for five years. How is it going to happen? I can't. To be honest, I was afraid. I'm 20 years old. I was doing well in Bordeaux. I signed for five years. I knew it that the coach believed in me. He showed me that. So everything for me was, you know, no way. One day I get a phone call from the chairman because at the time Bordeaux have two chairmen. So they called me. So I went to see them. We have a lunch. One Sunday, I remember. They said to me, you know, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. They said to me, well, we were thinking maybe we could sign like maybe three or more years. 
I, I thought that, that was a little bit strange. Because, you know, when you have like five years contract and then hmm, why are you thinking to sign someone for uh, three more years when you already have like five years contract? I'm like, yeah, I'm oh, cool. And they said, but you have to stay on the same level of your uh, wages. Okay. Then I called my agent and my dad, I told them the story. So my agent said to me, listen, the reason why, because they have an offer from Real Madrid for you. What you want to do? Then I told them, listen, I'm not going nowhere, but uh, I'm not going to sign a contract also with the Bordeaux because uh, having those periods already, so it don't make no sense. And if they are not willing to raise my contract, it don't, it don't make no sense, you know? So we stay on that way. So I said to everyone, I'm not moving, I stay, and then no, no need to talk anyway. So then January, I get a call from a national team, first team where I was selected to play against Portugal. How did that make you feel? Wow, national team, France. Remember a year before, two years earlier, going to the stadium, watching them, seeing David Ginola, those guys, Bernard Lama. When I used to, of course, seeing them when I was in the academy, and then at the end, be able to play against them. But I mean, you see this national team with these guys playing, Dimeco, Olmeta, just like, oh my God, what's going on? And uh, you get called for the first team. You're just like, no, 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 something is wrong. And on, suddenly uh, the news everywhere, everyone, you know, Ibrahim Bab been selected for the first team with the French national team. Everyone starting to come to Bordeaux, journalism asking you question and all the stuff like that. You know, you just like, like I said, you know, it was these things that I get. Everything goes, you know, on the same way, you know. So you're happy, you're excited and... It's no question. You know, you don't ask questions. You just like, okay, just, let's do it, you know? Let's do it. <laughs> and what was it like the day that you show up for the national team camp for the first time? We were supposed to play on Wednesday. So game with Bordeaux. And the following day I have to go to Paris because we the training ground, the national team Clairefontaine was in France, in Paris nearby so from border you take the plane and you go to the you go there and then obviously i knew it before because with the under 21 but you know the first team of the like they said le chateau which is like I mean the, the castle you know so yeah you end up there and uh emil jacquet comes in you say hi to everybody because the guys those guys who were already there at their own you know seat so me i, I remember i think it was me and robert Pires. so we was the youngest on the team Zizou was there, Deschamps, Duzai, all those guys. And you're looking everywhere, you say, wow, where am I? You know, what am I doing here? This is crazy. That's fun, you know. And then you get out and you wear the, you know, training stuff. And the journalists are there and photographers. So everybody taking pictures, everybody, you know, interview everywhere you go. So, you know, that was like, oh. Seriously? I didn't know that was like that, you know, but that was really something cool. And then, yeah, the coach come to me and then we start to talk. The training is, you know, we have a game on Wednesday, uh, Sunday. You have a game on Wednesday. So he's saying to me, you know, we have been following you. We know what you, you're doing and, you know, we see things and everything. So we, we thought that, you know, you should be, we should give you the, the chance to come with the first team and then to play with the national team. So, um, 
He told me, I don't know if he's going to put me first or if I'm going to start or if I'm going to be on the bench and get in during the game, but uh, the opportunity will be there. So, but for him, he was like already to tell me that I'm a part of the house, you know, I'm part of the group. So that was the thing. So yeah, I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, what, what can I say? I can't say more, you know, so that was the thing. Then following days, training, games, exercise and everything, everything was cool, you know. Then we went to, to Portugal, Praga, and we play against Portugal. How did you do? I think that for everybody, everyone who play football, we want to be able to go the first game with the national team. That's what you're looking for. Because being able to play 60 minutes, whatever it is, starting, scoring, what can you ask more? And that's what happened for me. How was the time after that? In which way did it change your life? I mean, in all ways. Because after that game, it became something sensational. You know, something like you are like seeing people are look at you and your life change and uh, clubs, people, agents. Everyone wants to do something with you. Everyone wants to do something with you. And uh, yeah, that happened. You talk a little bit about how, you know, it was this flow and everything just was going up and very positive. What would be, if any, some challenges or what were the most difficult parts of being part of all of that? Because you were still very young at the time. I believe the difficult part would be, you know, not to be focused on your game and not to be focused on your team. But I had to change because my family was next to me at the period always been with uh, with them even though you know when i was young i have to move out from the you know the comfort zone the family and the, you know being in the house same house with my mom and my dad and my brother and sister i did it young but at the end i always had it i always had them with me so the difficulties was like to refuse things because everybody wants to have something from you. And questioning, journal, interview, everything, everything, you know. And you have to be able to say no. And that was the most difficult things to do, you know, to say no. And uh, I guess because I've been protected by my coach and, and my family. So, uh, and, you know, I always had the chance to have good friends with me. So uh, that was also something who, who saved me also on that period. Then in the summer of uh, 97, you had been playing with the national team and then the Confederations Cup came around, which for those who don't know, it's the pre-tournament before the, uh, the World Cup with the top national teams from around the world. And you had a pretty significant role in that. Tell me about that tournament. After the, the game played with Portugal, other games comes in. So uh, we had the game against Netherlands. We had the game against Sweden. So, you know, it was a part of different games because France was, wasn't doing the qualification for the World Cup because they were going to do the, the World Cup in France. So it was no, you know, it was no qualification. So uh, being part of the national team and being able to play against Brazil, Italy and England, I was like, okay, another round, you know, something else, you know. One thing's happened on that because on that period between March and that tournament, I get different proposition. The first time I went to London, my agent took me there to go and see a game. It was an Arsenal game. After the game, I saw Nicola Nelka, Patrick Vieira, 
at the end, I had the dinner with my agent and Mr. Wenger and another person who was the chairman, David Dean. We talked about football and everything, and they said to me, you know what, we want you to come and play for uh, Arsenal. Okay. I'm like, but I have five years contract. I said, no, you don't have to worry about that because we already talked about with your uh, club, Bordeaux, the chairman, so they know exactly that we are interesting. They give us the opportunity and the chance to talk with you, so that's why you are here with us. And I was a little bit surprised because I thought that, you know, the club couldn't tell me something, but they never told me. But at the end, it was uh, it's just something that you learn about, you know. So then I said to them, I will think about it. Obviously, I had a great weekend, you know, being in London, see the games and see the guys and that I know. So everything was, it was a great. So you go back and then I went to the, to, to, to my coach again because. Sorry to interrupt. How was that meeting with Wenger? And what were some of the things that he would say? The meeting was something, you know, a coach who knows the game, who knows the player, and uh, comments, you know, just talk with you about football. And it was a simple thing, you know, he been seeing me playing. He have sent people to see me, but he know me. And um, he was a coach also in France, in Monaco before that. So, he, you know, so he saw me grow up. So that was the thing. So at the end, the question was like for him, he was like, if I'm interested to go and play for Arsenal, because in his mind, he have few guys that he's thinking to play on that position. I was the first guy that he wanted to take before to take someone else. So he wanted to know if I was interested. So, yeah, that's what happened with, with Arsene. And then what happened after that? I went back to the club and uh, I spoke to the coach. I told him what happened and he knew. And uh, so I said, what about the, the club? He said to me, the club had agreement with already two, three clubs. Arsenal, Barcelona, Valencia. I said, but I don't know nothing about that. He said, yeah, now you know. Yeah. So that's what happened. So uh, Arsene been talking with my dad and my agent for ages about the, all that period before the tournament. And then I get other offer which comes out after because then when they knew that uh, Borda had agreement with any clubs who was like Barcelona, Valencia and Arsenal, every club was agreed to pay Uh, what Borda was asking. The only question was remained is like, what me, I'm going to do? Where I'm going to sign? That was the, the question. To be honest, after I spoke to Arsene, if I had to go somewhere, I wanted to know the coach or spoke to the coach before anything. Uh, Barcelona, I never spoke to the coach. So uh, the, the clubs did... You know, the deal and see, that's it. So when I had asked to, to talk to the coach, but uh, it, it never happened. Valencia, same thing. So I didn't know who was the coach. The, so I only spoke with the chairman and everything. So it's same thing with uh, with Barcelona. And then Real Madrid. I guess it was more a game between the club because Real Madrid, you know, a team when a, a guy wants to go to or someone have to go to Barcelona, you know, Real Madrid goes, goes in. But... Um, That was not from Florentino Perez. Uh, he was the old uh, chairman of the, the club. So um, he came with his agent and uh, they spoke to Bordeaux. And, then, and to be honest, between all these clubs, if I have to talk about money, I was going to learn, earn more money was in Real Madrid than any other clubs. And then um, I'm in Paris with my mom and my brother and sister, you know, in the street and just having a ice cream. And I get a phone call from my coach telling me, listen, you have to go 
to the airport with some people they wanted to see you. So I went to the airport, the Bourget, and there I met uh, Mr. Galliani and Mr. Breda from AC Milan. Hello, I came in and they speak to me in French, you know. How are you? Uh, okay, you know, all the things, you know. So And then they said to me, but before we keep going, someone will want to talk to you. So they pick up the phone, talk. so I take it and I spot to talk to this guy. And this guy is Fabio Capello. <laughs> How are you? He speak to me in French too. And then at the end he said to me, you know what? Uh, I tried to take you in November, December for the, you know, transfer windows. And, but uh, I spoke to Jean-Pierre Papa. He told me what you were thinking. So blah, blah, blah. So, but I have to tell you one thing. Now I'm at the end of the season. So I'm going back to Milan. And uh, you're on my list. I want you to come and play there. I'm saying, okay. So he told me, oh, we are going to play, blah, blah, blah. So he gave me the names, guys, and everything. You are going to play on the right side, you know, and so this and that. I'm like, okay, okay, thank you. So that was cool, you know, and I got the phone. God, then he tell me, we also have an agreement. We know that other other clubs are also, you know, so we agree you to pay to Bordeaux this. So it's just up to you to decide it if you want. And like that, if you come to us, we, you know, we are really happy and we will make you feel comfortable being at home. So that's what happened. So at that moment, then, you made the decision that Milan was your destination? 50%, yes. Because, I'll tell you the story why. Because when I was uh, at the academy in Le Havre, 92, 93, you know, that period, you remember, everybody remember Milan playing the, you know, the today we call it the Champions League, but we used to call it... Uh, European Cup, I think. Uh, today we said Champions League, right? Yeah, Champions League started from 96, around that time, I think, yeah. yeah. There was UEFA Cup, there was the Cup Winners Cup. I don't remember the name anyway, so we need to find out. What was the name? We need to find out. Yeah, we need to find out because that was Champions. We had Champions League was comes out, but there is like Coppa dei Campioni. Yeah, Coppa dei Campioni was the uh, all the cup winners. Yeah, we're uh, we're looking it up right now. Mm. Uh, let's see. I don't remember the name. Coppa dei Campioni. I remember that was the, that was the name in Italian, but to say it to you in French or in English, what was it? Hey, but Coppa dei Campioni was uh, yeah. That, that, that would be the Champions League. That, yes. the, yeah, that yeah, would yeah, be yeah. the Champions League. Ex- exactly. You're right. Okay, so what's the European Champions Clubs Cup? Yeah. Coupe de Club. Mm. Coupe de Club was the Copa de Cop. Coupe de Club, yeah. It was like when you when you were winning the, like, let's say, the Orsvenska uh, Cup and the Italian Cup, exactly, you played that. Exactly, exactly. Then the UEFA Cup was the, the those who play, who was like, the, because at the time it was only two clubs who go straight to, yes. the, to the Copa de Campioni. That's what we talk, today we talk about the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, so the third, the fourth, the fourth, and the fifth couldn't go to the UEFA Cup, right? Coppa dei Campioni? Yeah, in English it was just, I'm looking up here, it was simply the uh, the European Cup. European Cup? Yeah, the full name was the European Champion Clubs Cup. European Champions Club. Yeah, and then in French, Coupe de Club Champion. Coupe de Champion, Coupe de Champion. Ah oui. Coupe de Champion, yeah. So uh, I saw Milan against Bucharest final. I saw Marseille against Milan. Who was it that scored with Engoti? No. Uh, it was one nothing. Marseille won and it was... Uh, Boli? Boli. Boli, yeah. Boli. So, what I wanted to say, that Bucharest game, you saw Gullit 
Breitkart, Van Basten. Then I said to my friends when I was in the academy, in Loab, one day I will play for AC Milan. Then they was like, ah, come on, you're joking. It was funny, but then so when you ask me after I have met uh, a Galliani, for me, that thing's come back to my head. And then, yeah, from there I said, I said to myself and I said to my friend I will play for that team. And also because Milan had the bad period from 95, 96, you know, team had to change. Everybody was questioning about a lot of players. Baris had to stop. Tassotti had to stop. So club had to be rebuilt. And I thought about the story that I had with Bordeaux in 96. And I thought that it would be the same with Milan. So that's obviously, it was more easy to go for Arsenal. To be honest, if I wasn't going to Milan, I would go to Arsenal. Did you make the decision there before the tournament with the national team that summer? I made that because I wanted to be focused on the tournament and also to, to make it everything goes with speculation to not being, you know, on, on on my head and having the same question all the time. So I decided and I, when I get the interview about that, I said to myself and I said to everyone that decision will be made before the the tournament. And that's what I did. How did you do then in that tournament? That, that tournament, it was, a, it was a great tournament, to be honest, because it was a tournament with three other teams who was like world-known, uh, you know, history. Um, Brazil, what everybody knows. Italy, everybody knows about them. And England winning also, you know. So with, in England, some guys with Alan Shearer, David Beckham, Owen. You know, it was something, you know, Seaman. It was, yeah, uh, I mean, it was, just, you know, stand-up, you know. And to the other end, you have uh, Brazil with Ronaldo, Bebeto, Roberto Carlos, Leonardo. Great team. Then Italy. My opponent will be Paolo Maldini. <laughs> I'm laughing because I was a kid. And, you know, being a kid, you playing, like I told you, at the beginning as a left back. You have to look about, you know, those guys. You know, I was looking at him and the way he's playing because I was playing a left back. So, you know, I, you want to take some from. And he was a, a great moment, you know, a fan of someone that you used to see. And then that day playing against him, you having him in the front of you. And then you know that you signed on his team for the next season. So he's going to be your teammate. That was great. Every game was fine. I played against Brazil for his game. And I play against uh, Italy uh, for the last game because we had the three games on those three games. So I played two games. It was great, uh, a great experience, a great atmosphere. And uh, I really enjoyed it playing against him because, uh, like I said, you know, uh, being a fan of him and seeing him playing and then compete against him, you know, it, that was something great and something fun for me. I really loved it. And at the end, you know, following years, He was, he was going to be my, my captain. He was my captain. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You move to Milan, you move out of France, a new country, new language, a very new team at the very top level with some of the best players around. How was that initial experience like? He comes in. It's a different world, it's a different mentality, it's a different life. Because when I came to Milan, everything would change. Everything was like, for me, already from border, it was something great. But I was like going to like superpower, you know, a club with like, you comes in, you have a, a driver come and pick you up. They give you a cell phone, a house, everything was being taken care. Everything was already fixed. It was nothing that you comes in and saying, oh, I miss this or I miss this. It was everything what the club was doing for, not only for me, for everyone, was like you have to be focused on your training, nothing else. And um, this is where you see you know, greatness. And you, this is where you see teams and clubs. And then you can say these clubs are history. And yeah, Milan was history. When you got there, who were the players that impressed you the most? Well, you know, the thing is like you comes in, I'm 21. 22, you see guys who play the final of Champions League. Savicevic, Boban, Maldini, Costa Curta, Albertini, Duzai, Leonardo. And we came with a lot of other guys, you know. We was like, oh, so there's the funny thing. It was like 13 new guys. Clivert, where I was there. Leonardo comes in. Davids were there. Bogart. So it was a mix of French and Dutch guy coming in, in, in Italy, in Milan. And the new coach come back, obviously, Fabio Capello as a coach. So everything was, you know, new. Everything was like, okay, something I have to rebuild, you know. And then that was exciting, you know. It was something really exciting to do. And I wanted to be part of that, yeah. Most people know of Fabio Capello and his, you know, he's a tactical mastermind. People say that he's very tough, that he's very, very driven. It's all about, you know, winning Tell me something about him that you noticed and experienced that isn't part of the common knowledge. And where I'm going with that is I'd love to understand what makes him who he is. I'm going to give you an example. Capello, training, you run, you do exercise, and you do things, you know, you think, okay, everything is normal. And then you talk to your teammate or you laugh about your t- with something that happened during the training. Capello will tell you, nope. You don't laugh, you don't talk, you just focus on the work. Because if the game comes in, you won't be laughing. So you know what you will have to do if you want to win. So you have to be focused. And he start from that training, you know, from that session to give you the idea what tomorrow will be. Winning. How you win? Being focused. And that's what I had from him. That's what every player today who had the chance to be coached by him or being on his team will get. Obviously, that's true. He's tough. He's superstitious. But at the end, he know how to, you know, to push you, to bring the best of you. And uh, some like it, some others don't like it. But, uh, you know, today, if I say to you that many guys like it because they have win something with him. And uh, the question is, many coach today, some of them have been with him. Guardiola being coached by Capello. 
And I believe he had take something from him. You know, this is because at the end, being coach means taking stuff from different opportunities and different experiences that you had. And uh, you always want to take the best of all those people that you have that chance to, to work with. And yeah. You mentioned that he was uh, superstitious. Uh, in what way? The superstitious was because the way that he, if, if he have the team win, those 11 will always be in those 11. Those changements that he do, he will do it in the same time, the same period. If it's like 60 minutes a change, it will be the six-minute change. And if that guy he had put in and the, the team win, he will do the same guy get in. You understand what I mean? So this is why I said that was the superstition. What would be some of the things he wanted you to work on or improve on? Being a winger at the time, he wanted me to improve my finishing. Okay, be able to do the one vs one running on the part, being at the end and crossing. But, you know, crossing or making a pass is so many things. And it's not only about you. And I have learned that. Everything what I used to do before was a creativity from myself. But it made me become more understanding my teammate where they was. And trying to do less things which is like going to make me tired during the game and be more performing. So this is where I have learned a lot with him because, you know, example, I'm a winger. I go to the end, I have to make a cross. It's three possibilities. First post, second, and back. Those are the three options. The last option that you have is like you have to shoot if you don't see no, none of them. So this is those I work a lot also. With him, I used to do a lot of technical things, which is like before the training session, you know, the control. Things easy. Things easy, but we'll come to, at the end, during the game, something that I really needed because everything depends on my control. If I have to pass my opponent, you know, everything was on that. The first touch. And I did a lot of sessions. How did you do that first season in adapting to the league and to a different style? To be honest... First of all, the first game wasn't not so good. It, that's true. I, the first game I had, I scored. The first game I had in Milan, Milan Lazio, that was the first game on 97, 97, 98. We did 1-1 against Lazio. First game at uh, San Siro, I, I scored. But uh, was, I wasn't not really because it was a different culture. It was a different mentality. The tactical part was really like tight. So everything was different. And uh, I had to start in something that in Italy, people, they look at you. They, they see games. They're going to, to get everything, every details about their players against their players, you know, to, to understand the, the things. So that's what happened. So yeah, I had to, I have to work. I had to work on uh, to understand that better. And uh, it wasn't easy at the beginning. And uh, I, and then, yeah, of course, I had difficulties at the beginning. How was life outside of the team, living in Milan with the prestige of the team, with the pressure that comes with that, both from fans and from the media? How did you live through that? You know, it, like I told you earlier, it was something like a different, different perspective, different life, a different way to live everything in, in Italy. I had to have uh, someone who to drive me because uh, if I had to go somewhere to eat or whatever, you have fans, people know you, people want to take pictures and it was, everybody knows and it was a lot of gossip, you know. Uh, it wasn't anymore about only football. It was outside football things, you know. Uh, 
the way you dress, if they knows where you go to eat, or where you go and get your stuff, where you what car you drive. Everything is on the news. Everything is on the you know on the papers. Even if I say hi to a girl that everybody knows, that's the things in Italy. That was the things in Italy in that period. Obviously, you know, you it's a team because the owner everybody knows is the owner. So you know things getting bigger and and bigger and bigger. So uh, I was single. So, you know, it's, it's different uh, compared to guys who was just like uh, Paolo was married and uh, others was already married. So for me, everything was, you know, totally different uh, compared to them because, you know, the life they are, they already been in the club and they know the rules and they know everything. For me, it was something totally different. And the way that I live or that I used to live when I was in France was going to change. France, I couldn't play, but then after that, after the game is over, I can do whatever I want, you know, I have to just go and train and focus. But Milan was like, you have to preserve your private life because otherwise everything will be out on the news and on the TV. So that was totally something different that I'm not used to. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a big change, man. So this is 97, we get into 98. How did it then, like the, the participation with the French national team, obviously you all had this big goal of the World Cup. Unfortunately, you didn't get to the World Cup. How was that period leading up to that? And how was that moment when you found out that you weren't going? Like I said, you know, uh, you asked me a question was if... I had the period with the world with the with Milan on that season. To be honest with you and with myself, I had a great year because you go to Milan, AC Milan, great team, great player. You play 35 games in the league, 15 assists in the league. You can't say that, you know, you can't say that was a bad year. Obviously, the team did not do well. That's that's for sure. Milan did not do well because we finished at 10th, I believe, in that league at that season. Lost the Italian league. I was tired at the end of that season because it was, you know, like I told you, a lot of change physically and mentally. But anyone who would do that would say that it was a great period. You know, it was a great season personally. But uh, I get, I, I guess that people go and look about the result, uh, about the team, not about the, yourself. And uh, then we would say that uh, Milan had the bad period on that year. When you found out that you didn't go with the to the World Cup, how did you handle that? Well... In consequences of about the team, I believe um, we had the pre-tournament, pre-training. Then uh, we was 28. We was in Clairefontaine, our training ground. The first three days we've been training. Then uh, one night I get a phone call. No, I someone come and knock at my room and he said to me, "Listen, the coach wanted to talk talk to you." Okay. So uh, when I went to uh, To the coach room, um, Nicola Anelka, Sabri Lamouchi, Pierre Leg, Martin Chetou, Letizi, and me was in the room. So first of all, I thought that was like, you know, a meeting that, you know, to talk with different players, you know. So uh, the coach started to talk. And then he saying to us, guys, um, You guys are here because the reason why uh, we had to make a decision to to let guys go because uh, after made after we made you know uh, see what going to happen during the World Cup and all the 
games that we are going to have also tactically and then also against those teams that we are going to play you guys are not selected to do the work okay so my question my first question obviously after you finished it it was like how can it be if you know those teams that we are going to play against are going to play like that like that and you made decision on, on that but what would what would be happen if you pass through against those teams it don't make sense um never did answer on that then he said to us listen for right now this is the this decision has been made but it's not 100% because before the tournament I believe one week before or two weeks before the tournament something can be changed because if someone get injured or whatever it is 23 years old you hear that the first things that you have in your head is like no I'm not going to wait and see if somebody get injured that comes you don't take me fine I leave and good luck to you and to your team that's what I said and that's what I did he said to us if we were going to stay and sleep there and the day after to leave i said to myself and i said to him and nicola anelka said the same thing no you're not taking us i rather leave now i said to stay here and sleep here i'm not i'm not i can't sleep so that night obviously when you call your friend and to tell them you're not going to and it happened like that we had the, at the end we had uh When we were leaving, we had you know all the TV and everything was outside. So someone of someone, I talked to the journalism, so to the journalists, so to tell them about it. So uh, yeah, that's the way that we find out we were not going. Big disappointment. Yes, uh, I mean, you know, it's that's true. I never expected to do it because at the end, uh, the way that things happen to my career. You don't think about those stuff, but uh, at the end, after being able to do all those steps, different progression from Louvre, Bordeaux to Milan, I'm not talking only about me, but I think for everyone who play football, that you know, arriving at the end in your career, trying to do the World Cup, it is something as a football player you you desire you wanted to do you know and like as athlete as a runner doing the olympic or doing the world cup you know you know the achievement of that it didn't happen big disappointment but life is not everything is is gold you know so i mean so you you have to learn that and you have to, you have to try to let it go even sometimes it's difficult it was it was very difficult to 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 let it go because um if you were going to say it and to talk to someone about that, no one couldn't say to you, no, he's not going to do it. Everybody believed it. Everybody thought it. So you don't think you're not going to be part of that team. Yeah, it happened. And uh, what I did, instead to go and watch the World Cup, I've been training during the World Cup to get back uh, at work with Milan. That's what I did. After that, continue with Milan. You you had a couple of loan spells in between. We don't need to go in into great length into that, but how would you maybe summarize just that period of continuing with Milan and you're loaned a couple of times? And, and what I'm trying to get to here, you know, as, as a player to deal with these changes, most often you're not in charge of your own destiny. So how would you summarize that? And how did you go through these periods over the next few years? But first of all, you know, the reason why... I go for loan because 
first of all, the 1998, after the World Cup, well, with Milan, 98, season 98-99, we win the, the league. But I did not play so much, so I, I wanted to play. So uh, having not a good relationship with the, uh, with the coach, so uh, I, the club and me had to make a decision. And uh, obviously... I wanted to play, so they wanted me to. They wanted me to play too. So uh, they sent it to me alone. I, I started to play because I was, a, you know, it was a difficult period. So I, I started to play, but then things sometimes happened, so I get injured. So that was one of the difficult parts in my life because at the end, you know, because of that injury, things have changed. I had to be 14 months without playing. When you come back coach or no coach you have to show that you can play but if you don't get the opportunity to play you can be in shape physically but it's something missing if you play once a while then it's getting you know more difficult then in 2003 you got to the premier league to uh, bolton with some pretty big profiles as teammates including jj okocha and i believe jorkaif was there at the time as well how was the um, transition over to the Premier League in an entirely different environment and playing style? Well, like you said, a different style, a different mentality, a different work, different in everything. Italy, tactic, work every day on your game, understanding how against who you are going to play and come to England where it is. You are able to run 90 minutes, great. You're not, it's going to be difficult. Uh, like you mentioned it earlier, great player, JJ Okocha. Technically, something unbelievable. Uh, Jerk AF, that everybody knows with, his national, with the national team, with Inter too. Then you come to this club, you know, a club that I needed probably because smaller, more family, different guys from different culture, Danish, Jamaican, Nigeria, France. It was a mix of everything in the, in the club. With the coach that we know recently what happened to him with the Mr. national team. Uh, Mr. Sam Allardyce. Yes. He was a guy that, you know, for us as a foreigner, he understood us, you know. he Of course, his football wasn't pleasant because, to be honest, he wasn't pleasant. He was a, he was an English-type football, you know. But uh, he knew how to push the button. In what way? He knew how to talk. Like you saying, yeah, like you were asking, you know, so when you play football, when you do sport, you have a lot of guys with different mentality and different personality. You have to understand all of them. You have to understand if you have to go to yell to somebody or you have to go to talk to him like, I'm going to give you the sweet. You know, it's, it's so mixed, so mixed things. And then you have to understand all of those things, you know, which is like something not easy. It's crazy because at the end, it's not anymore about being a coach. Even though coaching means like drive somebody, you know, and then bring the best of those guys. But it's more about mental. So let's say that today being a, a coach for me, is, the meaning is being a psychologist because you have to understand the mentality about everyone. Because if you're a manager of those guys, you have to understand all of the things and you have to be able to analyze that and to go and talk to the guy. And then this is, uh, this is something that some have, some had that. Do you have any opinions on what's been happening lately with him? He knows. He knows how things work. You know, the thing is like, we don't have to think that we are bigger than any of us. Because at the end, the way that we grow up, we don't have to change that. We made mistakes. Everybody made a mistake. But uh, 
like I said, you know, never think that you can be bigger than anyone because you get the job. So today, this job that he did and others do, we are here. Tomorrow, someone else will be there. You had a couple of shorter spells, both in Turkey and then in in Sweden, in your Gordon. And uh, I remember the time and uh, it was a big news and a big shocker that you ended up in cold Sweden. You showed up one winter, I believe it was. Just take me through that. You know, it was a funny thing because basically I was in, in Turkey and playing over there. And then I had a bad situation with the, the team that I was because not being paid for uh, five months. So at the end, I decided to move. So I went back to Milan, been training over there, and uh, a friend of mine called me and said to me, listen, are you willing to, to try something new? And I said, okay, what we're talking about, said Sweden. I said, oh, okay. I do remember to play against the national team two times, under 21, and with the national team, the first team. So with the, nas- the first team, we played in Paris. And the second, uh, when I was in under 21, we played with the national team, the Espoir, that's what they used to call it. And I remember Anke Larsen at the time being with his Rasta. <laughs> so that was that was a cool thing, you know, that was a cool moment. So I'm saying, okay, uh, yeah, why not? Let's see, you know, what's going on. So uh, I remember. And arriving to Skafta. And arriving there, I remember, I'm like saying to myself, but, I don't remember to being here at the time that I came to, to play because that was not this airport. And it was the Arland airport at the first time. Anyhow, and uh, yeah, I came in the winter, December. So I had to train for a week with uh, this team. Bosa Andresen, who was the sport director, came and picked me up, put me to the hotel. Yeah, I had to, I had to train with the, with the club and with the, the team. I had a great moment, even though it was really cold. But I enjoyed it. The atmosphere, I enjoyed it. People around me, the way that they, they accepted me. And uh, after that week, I said to my friend, yo, it's not about the money. But uh, yeah, I like it here. So yeah, that's the way that happened. What was your impression about the football there? We spoke about it here before we got started and about preseason training and how they go about that. You know, when I came in, the season was over. So it was something like, it, like I said to you, it was in December, January, December, something like that. So the team was still training. So I had like a period of training for like three months preseason, which is like normally, it's, yeah, one month maximum. So uh, I had this preseason, which is like the first month we was like uh, gym, indoor, running, weight training. So which is like something like usually you do it in a mix, you know, in two weeks. And uh, that was uh, something really, really like strange for me compared with uh, what I used to do. But, you know, every country, every culture are different, even though I do not believe on that because I didn't believe on that. But, uh, yeah, we won the league in 2005 and also win, win the cup. So I guess, uh, for, for the, the club, for the coaches, it was, it was right to do. But, um, I, I do not, I do not believe on that. If there is one or two things they should improve on and learn from the top of the game, what would those things be? I believe the, they have to work more about the academy and not only thinking about those guys who go away. Because being there, I think they are more focused on seeing those players who go and play abroad 
and not to focus on the guys who are playing in, uh, in, in the Swedish league. Because we have to understand, they have to also know that, you know, those guys, before they go away, they've been playing in the league. So... That was one thing that I believe that, you know, the, the Orsvenska have to be, you know, more promoted. You know, they have to, to be focused on more on that. And the, the kids, because the training and everything, you have so many talented kids. But today what's happening that all of them want to go away because the, for them to play in the national team, that's the thing. If you don't, if you don't go away, like playing outside of the country, you won't play in the national team. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Because... You don't have 20 Zlatan. You can make 20 Zlatan. So uh, before Zlatan became what he is, he had to play in, in Sweden. Could you see yourself ever go there to work as a coach? Hopefully, yes, I do. Um, because um, it is something that uh, I have learned a lot over there. And, and uh, you know, for me, it is a place that uh, I love. To be honest, yeah, I would love to, to be able to coach over there, yeah. I just want to shift the conversation a little bit, and I want to ask you, with your experience growing up in very multicultural France, in a very multicultural national team and environment and the neighborhood that you come from, did you ever experience racism? Yes, I did. I mean, I did it in France, I did it in Italy, I did it in Turkey. But, uh, you know, to be honest, we leave that everywhere. So uh, I think it is also something that we, we should not be talked so much because that give, you know, publicity to those people who are like that. Because I believe that today, today in 2016, uh, we should be able to be together and work together with different community, with different culture, with different color. And then because that's the beauty of this world, you know, today, and then being peaceful. And um, I'm Muslim, but that does not mean that uh, I cannot go out with my friends or if they, they want to drink. I don't drink. It doesn't matter. But my friends, I'm not going to look at them because he's white or because he's uh, Chinese or because he's uh, South American, whatever it is. It's a feeling. It's the understanding each other, having respect between each other. And so for me, this is the most important thing that any other stuff. I grew up in Africa. I grew up in Senegal, West Africa, which is like a country which is like 70%, 80% of the country are Muslim. But uh, we never had the civil war when it comes to, to religion. So I don't understand that today we, 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 I don't understand why we have to talk between the differences between black and white. The opportunity should be for everyone. And uh, we have to focus that making things better and uh, having only respect. And today I'm sitting here talking with you, different culture, but at the end we're having fun. And this is, it's a respect, you know, it's a common respect. For me, that's all about, you know, and uh, any clubs, any culture, everywhere we should be, it should be the same, you know, respect. Knowing what you know today, is there anything you would have done differently in your career? To be honest, no, because life is, is made of full of beauty and sadness. But at the end, because of all of this, today we are here and talking about it. Because if I had only beautiful things to say, it won't be interesting. What are your um, dreams and goals for the future? Like what we were saying, like the, the, the few questions that you asked me earlier, you know, about sociality. You know, I'm a black guy, of course, but... Uh, I don't take nothing because or I don't believe about that 
because I'm a black, nobody going to give me the opportunity. What I wanted to say is like, I believe that we all of us have the opportunity to do something that we like, we want to do. And my goal is, yes, being successful as a coach, even though I know uh, it's not so many doing it, but uh, that's what I want to do. This is my goal. If you were to describe your coaching style, is there a way of describing that? You know, being coach at the end is two things. Then people will look result. But result, it doesn't mean winning. I can win making different culture and different people work together because this is also winning and also, you know, titles. So it's a mix of everything. But uh, to answer your question, if today we have to look about someone to take as an example, I would say Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp. We're getting towards the end. I'm going to shoot a set of rapid fire questions. Um, favorite team? AC Milan. The biggest moment of your career? My first contract as a football professional. The best player you've played with? Zidane. The best player you've played against? Ronaldo, 97, when he was playing in Inter. The best and I guess the most important coach that you've had? The one who gave me the, the chat, the one who gave me the possibility to become a professional, Pierre Mankowski. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Just enjoy the game. One thing young people or young players should know today that you feel is missed sometimes. Work, work, work. Can you give me a couple of book recommendations? Lachie Mist. This is one that I always keep with me. Paolo Coelho. Yes. I'd like to have... A restaurant recommendation in Milan, uh, one in Stockholm, and one in New York. Milan, Osteria del Corso, Corso Garibaldi. Um, Stockholm, Creme, Birkogotan. New York, I will go to Miss Lily's. You get to have dinner with three people. Let's assume they can be past or present. Language is not a barrier. Three people in the football world. Who would those three be, and where would you take them? Maldini, Guardiola, Messi. I think I see myself with them in uh, Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that sounds good. Uh, do you have a restaurant there? That or do, have you have you been a lot to Jamaica? Or? Yeah. Uh, friends are my, uh, a lot of friends over there so uh, I had the chance to you know to know one of the guys that uh, when I was playing in England and uh, Ricardo Garner so obviously he's from Kingston so I had the chance a lot of possibility to go over there and then through him through to him I had meet a lot of people so, you know I mean uh, you know it, it, it is uh, a small country so obviously everybody's you know in the same area so it is easy to, to know people's and singers and everything Sean Paul and every other stuff so yeah I had a great uh, I had a great great 
moment over there and I still go there so I love it. How can people follow you? My social things is just Instagram and uh, Facebook that's it that's all. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, Instagram is Ibrahim1973 and uh, when it comes to Facebook I believe it's Ibrahim Gomba. Who do you think I should interview in this podcast? Guardiola. Maybe you know somebody who can put in a good word there. Yeah, I do. Sounds fantastic. He would be a fascinating character. <laughs> I believe that too. Ibu, massive thank you for coming by and taking the time. I truly appreciate that. It's my pleasure. It's been a great, great pleasure. I think there's a lot of good stories here, a lot of fantastic learnings. Best of luck in the future. Thank you. We will keep an eye on your coaching career. Thank you. We'll bring you back on once you're up and running with that. I'm okay with that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe on iTunes, write a review, tell your friend about it. I would truly appreciate it as we grow this podcast one listener at a time. If you have any feedback or ideas, feel free to send me an email at Sebastian at coffeeandfootball.com. You can also link up with me via Twitter. The handle is at coffeesfootball. Stay tuned for next week's episode. It will be another amazing one, so you don't want to miss that one. Thanks again, and have an amazing week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.